It was pretty interesting, folks. Through the week, I said to uh, I said to Helen, I asked Helen if she'd prepare the uh, dedication service, and uh, so she's inside at the table doing that, and I went out on the back veranda and I'm beginning to prepare my notes for today's message. <coughs> very interesting because afterwards I said, how did you go? She goes, yeah, pretty good. I've got this and this. How did you go? I said, yeah, I've got a great message. I said, what text have you, had, have you got? She said, oh, she said, I've got Jeremiah 29 11. What text do you have? I said, oh, I've also got Jeremiah 29 11. I don't know how that happened except to say that it's the Lord's doing and uh, I firmly believe that God does have plans not just for Bealaba but plans for all of us. We make plans. We make plans for tomorrow, plans for next week. We make plans for next year. We make plans for our children. We make plans for our holiday. As Helen mentioned before, planning is part of our life. And Jeremiah 29, 11, 12 and 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call me and come and pray with me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me and seek me with all of your heart. God is a planner. God had this great plan. In the beginning, there was the heavens and the earth. I won't go into it too much, but there's six days. God planned a six-day activity. Then he had a spell for a while. A day of rest. In this particular story from Jeremiah 29, it's interesting because... Although we read this verse out, and so many preachers preach and quote this verse, but I really wanted to look into a bit of a history. This story, this is the story of the Israelites, and they had been exiled to Babylon for, 20, for 70 years. And... The plans that the Lord had for them for when they returned back from exile. Think about it, folks, 70 years. That means when they got to Babylon and a baby was born, that child would be 70 years old before it returned back to Israel. Why would God do that? Because of a sinful generation, and that generation was wiped out in Babylon. And then they came back to Israel and started afresh. Verse 14 says, I will gather you from all the nations and places that I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will, and will bring, back, bring you back to the place from where I carried you into exile. The Israelites were not in Babylon by accident. This was also part of God's plan. And because of... Satan's issue in heaven, God's plan for mankind had to be reviewed. And in a nutshell, the problem, the sin problem has caused people to drift away from God or not even acknowledge God at all. 
They turn to a sinful lifestyle or even worship man-made gods and religions which really must hurt God so much. Come on, let's build a golden calf. Bring us all your gold and jewellery. We'll build a golden calf. While Moses is up the mountain. No, no. Or let's make a wooden god and we'll worship it. We'll call it a totem pole. Or let's make a big stone god and we'll worship that. Must hurt God so much to see his creation turn his turn their back on him. It's disgusting. But God is not a quitter. And although he has plans for us as individuals, God has a plan for us collective. And that plan ultimately is to bring us home. Some people will just see one side of the pearly gate on their way down. But for you and I folks, we'll see both sides. That's what we're looking for. Christians live in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And as so, as a result, we're subject to or part of the plans that God has for his kingdom. As mentioned earlier, these plans were for people who had been exiled. But I believe that this story also becomes our story. We may not be in Babylon, but we were exiled folks from the Garden of Eden along with Adam and Eve. We were shut out. An angel was put in front of the tree of life lest we should eat of that and be sinful for eternity. Because of the sin problem, we have been estranged from God But God has a plan, a plan to bring us back into relationship with him, just like when the Israelites returned from Babylon. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. This is an interesting list. Prosper, not harm, hope, future. Why would you have plans like this for people who are unfriendly, disrespectful, succumb to temptations, bad thoughts, bad language, basically people who participate in sinful practice? Why would you even have a plan for people with that kind of behaviour? Why would you have plans for people who are like that? It goes to show you that God is truly a God of love. God is truly a God of mercy. God wants to bring his people back. He's not a quitter. He's not going to let you go. Not without a fight. And I guess that's why we're here in Bialaba, to fight for the Lord in, in, in a kind of a way. It is a battle. Ephesians chapter 6 at the end says, put on your armour. We don't wear armour just, you know, to look good in front of the mirror. Hey, I've got the shield today. Oh, look at my helmet. No, it's about being equipped to stop the fiery darts of the evil one. You ever been hit by a fiery dart from the devil? Oh, brings you down. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. The eternal alternative listed in scripture is not that good 
I find it fascinating that God has made an awesome offer to mankind which is rejected pretty much by the majority. People in general are happy with worldly security. There are things that we like to manage on our own. Debt, loans, mortgage. Do we give them to God? What about occupation? Yep, I'm set. I don't want to change. What about delicate family matters? Do we give them to God? Or do we go in and control things? Ah, you're only an in-law. Or sport. Do we get so wrapped up in sport we forget about God? And really, it's an endless list. You could go on and on all day. But the point I want to make here is that we should include God in every aspect of our lives. He has a plan for you. So why not include him? Say, Lord, unfold your plan. What plan do you have for my debt? What plan do you have, Lord, for my occupation? Father, what plans do you have for our delicate family matters? What plans do you have for me in regard to sport? Folks, I love motorsport. I love to watch car racing. And I know they just go round and round in circles, but there's something about the tacticians and the tactics used to get in front. And I've even subscribed to a motorsport-like channel, Foxtel channel, and I can watch all the motorsport I want for 25 bucks a month. But it can't take the place of God. It can't take the place of God. And it's just something I find actually a relaxation. There's an unwind. I could also probably watch a B-grade movie and fall asleep in the last half. (laughs) Through disobedience, Israel was sent to Babylon for 70 years. But we can avoid God's disapproval of our lifestyle by adopting his plans for our lives. We all have choices, choices on how we want to live our lives. And we are free to choose how much of God we want in our lives. I kind of think of it like a percentage meter, zero, 100%. So you do a self-check. How much of God is in my life? 30%. I'm a 30% Christian. That's... I'm a Sunday and a Monday Christian, but for the other five days, I'm just who I want to be. Or are you my 50 percenter? Wow, three and a half days a week. Or are you going, oh, oh, I've just been convicted. I read about tithing and now I want to give 10 percent of my time. Forget the money, I want to give 10% of my time. So I'm going to give God 2.4 hours every day. We're up to 80% now. What kind of Christian are you you going all the way with Jesus? I mean, how wide do you want the pearly gate to swing open? 
or you're just going to be like trying to climb over the gate while it's still closed. Think about it. Think about it. My mother was a brethren and she drummed hellfire and brimstone into me even before I was 10 years old. And I was so scared of going to hell, I just gave my heart to the Lord. (laughs) I'll tell you what, here I am today. My wife, Helen, died on the operating table some years ago and she went to heaven and met with Jesus and came back. The short story is, Jesus showed her all these pastors, ministers, reverends, bishops, all doing the church thing. And then he said, see here, it's a palace, a mansion. And see here, it's a shack, tumbled down shack. And Helen said, I don't understand. He said, see all these people preaching. Now, let me switch to Monday. What are they doing on Monday? Some of them are still working hard. They're the true ones and they get the mansion. But see these other preachers and reverends and ministers? These ones are committing adultery on Monday and Tuesday and committing sinful practices through the week. But then they're coming to the church and they're on the platform and they're all goody two-shoes, switched on for Jesus. The shack. Now, I tell you folks, you can live your life any way you want. I can only, I'm just the messenger. But it's up to you to make the decision. But what do you want when you get to heaven? Do you want a palace? Or do you want a shack? Now remember, what you get is what you get forever. So work hard now on your life, your lifestyle. Give Jesus every room in your heart. Bust down the walls. Do a few heart renos. Put in double doors. Well, whatever you need to do. A roller door, you know, with a remote. Come in, Jesus. And then shut the door and don't let him out. Keep him forever. The Holy Spirit. We're busy people with lots to think about, lots to do. But God is also busy. God is more busy with people than people are busy with God. It's true. God doesn't have to go and do the shopping and do stuff. But we can keep God in our hearts all the time. God's plan for your life is not about adding stress or anxiety. It's not God's way. In fact, it's the opposite. God is so interested in your life that he wants to give you the best now and the best when you get to heaven. And I don't know what it's going to be like, but if you read in the back of the Bible, it talks about this city called New Jerusalem. And the saints, I don't know when it's going to happen, the rapture or you know, who knows, it's Revelation. But anyway, we will be there at some time in the future and we will see that city coming down out of the clouds. Maybe it comes down to the new heaven and the new earth. I don't know. But folks, we will be ushered in and we will walk on that street made from gold. 
And we will see those walls made of precious stones, emerald and jasper and rubies. And I don't know what that city's going to be for, but I'm thinking maybe it's going to be a worship centre, a place where we will go. How big is heaven? But every now and again, we'll come to that city, I reckon, and we'll fall on our knees and have a read of Daniel chapter 6. There were thousands upon, 10,000 upon 10,000 assembled in the room. And smoke filled the room and they were singing holy, holy, holy. And God was there and his hair was white like wool. And his, his chair, fire came out of his chair and there were wheels on his chair when the fire came out. Then the books were opened. Folks, I just want to see God's finger going down. And hear my name read out. That's what I want. God is so interested in your life that he wants to give you the best now and the best after we die. We want to have hope for a good future. We want things to work out for us. We want a life with less stress. We want eternal security. We can only find these things in Christ. Jesus is the only answer to life. We try all sorts of things to make life go well for us. But when trouble strikes, sometimes we turn to worldly ways to find our coping mechanism. Drink, domestic violence, (laughs) retail therapy, drugs. Folks, None of these things are in God's plans. Remember that God has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. This is a promise that God has a plan for our lives. And regardless of our current situation, regardless of our current situation, he can work through it to prosper us and give us a hope. This is the God that we need to turn to. Look at some of the awesome people that God had plans for. Noah had a good plan for Noah. Abraham, he left his town and followed God, didn't even know where he was going. But he knew God had a plan. He's taking him on a journey. What about Moses? God had a plan for Moses. Yep, start your ministry when you're 80, mate. Yeah, spend the next 40 years in the desert leading these silly people around. God had a plan for Moses, but it was greater than that. He climbed a mountain. He dialogued with God. And God wrote the Ten Commandments in stone. And Moses brought them down. There was disappointment. But he was the right man for the, God, for the job. What about uh, David? David. God had plans for David. God had plans for Paul, for Barnabas, for Peter. What about blokes like Hudson Taylor? Wouldn't be church in China without Hudson Taylor. He's a great missionary. What about John Flynn? His house is just up the road here. Have you seen it? Under the peppercorn tree there at, uh, at uh, Maligal. John Flynn started the Flying Doctors. Great Methodist. Great man of God. God had plans for him. What about Reinhard Bonnke? Do you know... His rallies were so big, there was no stadium big enough. In fact, when he went to a town six weeks before his 
his um, event, the stadium was filled just for the pastors and the Christians of the town to pray. That was the 90,000 for the pre-planting. When, when he had his rallies, there was a million came. They had to do it at the airport. There was nowhere big enough. A million people turned up. And that was for a while. And then at other rallies, it was one million people gave their lives. There were some there that didn't. What about Billy Graham? God had a plan for Billy Graham's life. And heaps of people got saved, even when he's at the MCG, 1956, and all around the world. Yeah, you can jump on YouTube and type in Billy Graham, and all his sermons come up. Some are in black and white. And I was watching one the other day. He's in England somewhere preaching. I thought, wow, that's actually not a bad message. No wonder that guy was on fire. But God had a plan for these people's lives and he has a plan for your life. I don't know what it is, but he's got one. And think about this message and the challenge that it brings and think about the plans that you have for your life and the plans that God has for you to prosper you, folks. Not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Prosper. Plan to prosper. I don't think this means you're going to have like a million bucks in the bank. But God prospered me, but not personally, but He's prospered my ministry. Uh, God got my attention one day. I was out camping and I scalded my hand twice with boiling water and just came up red and blistered to like. 11 blisters on the back of my hand and we prayed and I was healed instantly. The blisters, we watched them disappear. We watched the redness disappear and the pain from being in the hot sun. It was a miracle, folks. It all took two minutes and just happened. I praised God for that. But then I thought, why? Why would God even do that? It would heal itself up in three weeks. Why would God even do a miracle? I'll tell you, folks, it was a beginning of a plan for my life. I thought in my heart, I've got to finish up with secular work. I've got to get into some ministry to tell people about this God that does miracles. But how was that going to happen? I was a railway worker and we didn't have much money. We lived from pay to pay. How was I going to go to Bible college? God had a plan. My nana had 13 grandchildren. And when she died, she left them nothing. But she left me $20,000. I don't even know why. I wasn't even a golden child. That was like someone else. But I used that money to go through Bible college. It cost me eighteen grand. I finished with 2000 in the bank and went and took the family on a holiday to Tasmania. God has a plan for your life. We moved into the... T- to the old Methodist church in Argyle Road. We were renting it, 100 bucks a week. Two, after two years, they said, oh, we want, we want to put the building on the market. I said, oh, how much do you want for it? They said, 2,000. I said, I've got eight in the bank. Will you take that? They said, no. 
I said, but you guys are Christians and we're Christians and like maybe we can just do a good deal and you can have eight grand in your pocket, you know? And the ministry goes, no, no, we want $2,000 for the building. $200,000 for the building. I said to the Lord, show us the way forward. A couple of days later, a lady come forward and said, here's the money. I said, no way, you're kidding me. You can't give me that much money. She said, why not? I said, isn't that your children's inheritance? She goes, huh, no way. She said, we sold the farm 40 years ago. She said, I'll do better than this. Said, okay, for sure, go and pray about it for a week. Anyway, short story is, we, we negotiated, got the building for 165000 and it's paid for outright. That's prosperity, folks. No, my bank account wasn't loaded up. I didn't get a cent out of it. But I tithe my money and God prospers my ministry. Get into your ministry. Ask God, what plans does he have for your life? It's not about age, folks. It's about doing. It's about doing what God wants you to do. And God will get you to do different things when you're in your 70s than he will when you're in your 30s. But it doesn't matter. God will prosper your ministry because it's in his interest. Isn't it? It's in his interest. If you're an intercessor, your prosperity might be that God gives you so much more or so many more names to pray for, to put on your prayer list, because your intercession, intercession is working because of your seriousness to God. It doesn't matter what your ministry is. But I want to finish up by saying... I want to read out the last part of this passage. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's the key, folks. All of your heart. Open up your heart to Jesus. Seek him with all of your heart. With all of your heart. Draw close to Jesus today and allow his plans for your life to be revealed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today, Lord, for the dedication of this church, for the beginning, Lord, of a future for this church, for New Horizons Church in Bialaba. We love the name you've given us, Lord. We thank you for that. And we love the church. Father, we want to come here week after week after week after year after year, Lord, and provide this town with ministry to raise people up into areas of ministry and, Lord, to fulfil the plans that you have for this town and the surrounding community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks, for being with us. We're going to finish with a song. And after the song, we've got a cake to cut, a dedication cake, and there is a barbecue afterwards. Grab your sausage sanger, some sauce, <coughs> kappa, there's water, cordial, and have some fellowship. Thanks, Gaza. Good day, folks. This is Pastor Stuart from Wattle City Church in uh, Victoria, Australia. We pray you've really been blessed as you listen to the message today. And if you want to check out more sermons or messages from uh, WCC, just 
jump onto Spotify or Anchor or a whole bunch of podcast platforms and search for Wattle City Church. And, um, yeah, more blessings to come. Good on you, folks. Have a great day. Keep praising the Lord. Amen.